The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, welcome everybody. Great to have you here on this summer Sunday morning. As we're meeting right here, we have an incredible congregation gathered right over in the chapel, right over there, and they're listening right now as we're right here. I want you again this week to give them a wild applause. Would you scream and shout for the tradition service? Yeah! Like I said last week, everybody in tradition, people were rolling in the aisles, jumping up and down, swinging from the balcony in celebration of you. So a big shout out to everybody over at Traditions, and thank you everybody for being here, and welcome everybody who's online. We just appreciate each and every way people connect uh, these days. We're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit, Nine Keys to Living a Virtuous Life. And this is really the final series and what has been a master series that started all the way back last summer as we've been working together on uh, building, excuse me, and living out a biblical worldview. And many of you have been here throughout the entire time, so you've seen the three concentric circles. Some are new here for the first time here today. And for your benefit, let me just say, I like to put it this way, I want to live in the center of three circles. I want to try to grow daily in learning what it means to live, love, and lead like Jesus Christ. And for me, that really includes three circles. The first is biblical morality. I need to know what I believe, believe what I know. And we did an entire series on the Ten Commandments this past year. We did an entire series on the eight Beatitudes. You see those listed in that first circle. But I also need to not only know what I believe and believe what I know, but I need to figure out how I can be used of God to reach people who are far from Christ. How can I be a, build, a bridge builder? How can I help people find Jesus as their Lord and Savior? We know, uh, because the Scripture tells us, that people that are lost are not going to heaven to live with Christ for eternity, and it is our responsibility to be ambassadors, witnesses. We're to be salt and light and help people come to Christ. They're going to read our life, and they're going to learn about Jesus by what they see in us. So biblical purposes is absolutely important, and we have taught throughout the year on the great commandment, the great commission. And that's not all. There's a third circle that we've been talking about this spring and now finishing up this summer, and that's all about living a virtuous life, being people that uh, follow uh, the, the great commandment of Jesus, where he said, love, uh, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, a new commandment, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, Love one another as I've loved you. As you love one another, you know, people are going to see uh, me in your life. And uh, we talked about the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, this summer we're looking at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Well, today we're going to come to this final, final series in this master series, and we're going to look at uh, the second and third virtue listed in the, uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Two weeks ago we talked about love. Last week we talked about love. Today we're going to talk about joy and peace. Before I dive into that, I want to take just a couple of minutes here today and highlight a couple of things real quick, and then we're going to dive right into the fruit of the Spirit. If you were not here last week, I want to encourage you, I don't always say this, but I really want to encourage you to listen to the message from our 4th of July weekend. 
It's really important for everybody to be on the same page and know the direction that we're going. And I just shared that the Church of Jesus Christ across America is struggling right now. Uh, before the pandemic, the church was shrinking. Different demographics are kind of losing uh, footing in the church. And uh, certainly over this pandemic, with all of the upheaval uh, from politics and pandemics and economy and race relations and all the things we've been talking about, I mean, there's just been a lot of people slipping away from the church. And I, I shared three things last week that I'm not going to re-preach right now, but I want to just give you the highlights. I said the Church of Jesus Christ needs to be committed to these three things if we're going to be compelling, compassionate Christ followers. The first is unity over division. There is so much hatred and vitriol and, and conflict inside and outside the church uh, in America, and we need to commi be committed to unity. Jesus prayed a high priestly prayer in John 17 before he left and went to heaven. He said, Father, may they be one as we are one. Unity and oneness was so important to Christ. And we talked about that last week. Compassion over condemnation. Uh, people like you and me, people who follow Christ should be the most compassionate of all. And I shared last week our response to uh, uh, the Supreme Court ruling uh, that, that came down uh, regarding Roe v. Wade. And fortunately, for years and years and years, we've been building a culture of life. Let's go ahead and go to that bubble chart again uh, that was up there, if you would. Uh, you know, we've been building a culture of life, and we have 11 different ways that we're reaching out uh, to try to be a blessing and to show God's love to precious women and, uh, you know, families in crisis. And we talked about that in detail. I'm not going to do that again, but just want to put that in front of you to kind of uh, whet your appetite. And uh, so... Uh, compassion, not condemnation. So many people today are kind of getting on their high horse and condemning people instead of trying to find ways to show the love of Jesus. And I'm not saying it's always easy, but we do need to be faithful to fulfill uh, the new commandment, love one another, that Jesus has given us. And then the third and final thing we talked about last week was purpose over preference. Every one of us have our preferences. Every one of us have our opinions. But what needs to be more important than any of that are the purposes of Christ. The Bible says that you and I, as followers of Jesus, need to be salt and light. We need to show people the way. The Bible says that we are to be his ambassadors, his witnesses. We are to reconcile a lost and dying world to Jesus Christ by our lives. As one man told me here just recently, you know, as people walk by and see our life, they need to say, I want whatever that person has. We need to be compelling. We need to be magnetic. We need to be tractional. I want to challenge all of us to spend seasons of prayer here this week and this summer and say, God, use me to reach people who do not know Christ so that they can come and find Christ as Lord and Savior. If you missed the message, I encourage you to dial it up. You can catch it on the app. You can go to our website, and it would be well worth your time to just ponder and think about those things. Uh, one other thing real quickly. Fall is coming. How many know that? We're in the middle of summer. You say, Rob, don't rush it. Fall is coming. It's right around the corner. Uh, have I ever told you I love the fall? I mean, I love the fall. It's not just about football, but I love the regular routine and uh, the rhythm that we get into when we get into the fall. And uh, yeah, I just, I just do love that. But the summer's great. So enjoy the summer. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm going to enjoy the summer. It's going to be awesome. But when the fall comes... It's time to get back at it, folks. 
No more resting and laying around. It's time to go for it. We've, we've got people we need to reach with the love of Jesus Christ. Can I hear a big amen out there? And one thing I want you to think about, and I know I'm preaching to the choir to some degree, but, but I, I want to encourage us all to think of these four G words. Uh, I need to be in a group. I need to give generously. I need to gather for worship services. I need to use my gifts to serve other people. Last week, I shared a uh, QR code that I'm going to put back up on screen right now. And go ahead and, uh, you know, put your uh, camera up there, grab that QR code, and it will take you to a survey about our small groups. And uh, it asks you just a few questions. You know, what kind of groups are you interested in? I want to encourage everybody to plan now. It's just the middle of the summer. Plan now for the fall. I'm going to be in a group or and or I'm going to lead a group. Uh, we have been on a quest to kind of double our groups here over this last year, and uh, this is going to be the crowning achievement this fall when we actually hit that mark. So I want to encourage everybody right now to decide, I'm going to be in a group. There's different kinds of groups. Maybe you'd like to be a part of a shared interest group, you know, more of an activity group, you know, where you're, you're leading a soccer team or you're, you know, leading hikes or bike rides or, you know, any number of other things. Let your imagination run wild. I have a, an imagination myself that whatever you choose, people would love to be a part of that. And the whole idea is just to build community, get people connected, to encourage one another, uh, to love on one another, build each other up. So uh, plan now to be in a group. Uh, We also want to talk, let's go to the next slide there. Uh, We also want to talk not only about groups, but about giving. And uh, so many of you give faithfully. I want to encourage everybody to put God's first in the area of your finances. You can go uh, to the website. You can go to the app. You can schedule weekly, monthly giving, and it takes care of it for you. But I just want to challenge us all to think about this thought. Uh, Obviously, giving blesses uh, the work of the church. That's how it moves forward. No question about that. But the most important thing is to honor the Lord. I remember a, a wealthy man in our church some years ago uh, who uh, got it blessed to give uh, financially, and, and I just asked him about his thoughts about giving. He said, you know, it's my responsibility to give as God has called me and instructed me to give in the Bible, and then I'm counting on the leaders of the church to be good stewards of, of those gifts. And you know, that, that first part particularly is one I want you to think about. God has called us to give the tithe, that first 10%, and then to give above and beyond that to support local outreach through the Compassion Ministry, uh, global mission, supporting 80 missionaries around the world. That's a big thing for us here. You know, helping kids get to camp, other things that God lays on our heart. So I want to encourage you all summer, think about it all summer. If you haven't been generous and putting God first in the area of your giving, You've got all summer to think about it, but when the fall comes, it's time to get after it, folks. It's time to get serious about what do I really believe about what the Bible's telling me to do. Uh, let's go to the next slide. The third, third area, not only groups and giving, but gathering. And uh, we're starting a brand new service here uh, in the fall. Of course, we'll have our, our main service here, our traditions, and then we're going to start a new service at 9 o'clock. Uh, we're going to serve communion every single week in the activity center. It's going to be the same sermon. be a great time of worship. So those of you that like to come early, 9 o'clock. Those of you that like to come at 1030, there'll be children's church for your kids at 1030. You'll choose uh, you know, this service, basically, and then many in traditions. We just want to you know, gather together. And everybody that's listening online, Thank you, thank you for listening online. Keep it up, keep it up. But if any of you can start gathering, you've got all summer to sit back. But come fall, come fall right around the corner. We would love to see you. Uh, there's just something, something special about coming together. Amen? 
Some are special about coming together, gathering together when possible. Some are not able to do so because of uh, physical infirmities or being shut in or those kinds of things. Totally, totally uh, get that. But if you're able to come out, we would love for you to be a part of what's going on. And then finally, God has gifted you and me for greatness. God has given you and me special gifts that he wants to use for his glory. And I want to encourage you with this challenge. Don't hoard what God has given you to use. Every one of us. Don't look at me that way. You know I'm telling the truth. That's what the Bible says, 1 Peter 4.10. Whatever gift you've been given, use it to bless others. God wants to use you. You may not be a singer. You may not be a preacher. You may not be this, that, or the other. But there's a number of things that God wants to use you to do to advance his kingdom so that more people are touched with the good news of God's grace. Go to the serve page on our website or the app. You know, sign in. Volunteer, start the process. We would love, love. Did I say love? Did I just say love? We would love to help you find your fit. All right. Good preaching, Rob, right there. Put your hands together and say, good job, Rob. That was awesome. You helped us get ready for the fall when we weren't even thinking about the fall and we didn't even want to think about the fall. But there you go. All of that was free, okay? Um, The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says, is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We like to use this little illustration of the pear, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Sometimes we've used an orange. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide there. Uh, Sometimes we use, you know, an orange. But, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, one fruit, but it's manifest in many, many different ways. Um, these are virtues that the Spirit of God wants to produce in our life. These are not just, uh, you know, self-control tips or uh, working up discipline. The fruit of the Spirit is the work of the Spirit of God in your life and mine. When we yield our life to him and we say, Lord, I want to live for you and follow you, the Spirit of God comes into our life and he's at work to help make us more like Christ. And he wants to produce godliness in these different ways. Love, joy, peace, patience. It's not just self-control. It's just not man-made virtues. It's God at work doing something special. And we need to uh, uh, submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to the work of God in our life. He wants to make you the most loving person imaginable. He wants to fill your life with joy and peace and patience and goodness. He wants it to overflow from your life to the people around you. How many would love to be around a bit, bunch of people where this kind of stuff was overflowing their life all over you? Can I see your hand? Join me. My hand's way up. That's the kind of people I want to be around, people that are full of love and joy. Well, that's who God wants to make us, you and me, to be so that we can impact and bless others in that same way. Virtues produced by the Spirit. So let's talk about joy and peace. We talked about love the last two weeks, which is really kind of the core of it all. But, but, but joy and peace. Let me give you just a few guiding thoughts as we, as we kind of lay the foundation. Jesus wants to produce these qualities in you already said that. We can kind of just take a second here and move on. That's what Galatians 5, and 23. When you accept Christ, when I accept Christ as Savior, God by his Holy Spirit indwells us, and he's at work if we don't work against him but with him to develop these qualities in our life. Number two, joy and peace come from the same source. It comes from God. This is the work of the Spirit of God. 
And our prayer needs to be, Spirit of the living God, work in me, develop these virtues. God, I want to be used of you in a powerful way. I want to experience these myself, and I want to share with other people in this way. We kind of talked about that. Let's take a look at the third foundation. Joy and peace can be seen as two sides of the same coin. I mean, really, many times in Scripture, like the one here in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, we see joy and peace linked together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last thing I want us to think about is that God doesn't want life to rob your joy and peace. God doesn't want life to rob you of your joy and peace. And yet that can happen. We've all experienced it. You know, and and they're kind of two sides of the same coin. You know, how are things going? You might ask a friend. Well, it's kind of tough right now. And translated, that means their joy level is pretty low and peace might be kind of not in existence or so it might seem. You know, our, our peace level and our joy level can be way, way down. And God wants to dial that up. And we're going to talk about how that can happen in just a brief moment. Look at the verse here. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let you not be afraid. There are joy and peace robbers. How many have noticed that? Joy and peace robbers. Anxiety, fear, worry. You know, you can make a list. I mean, there's a lot going on in life. Um, I try not to worry, but, uh, you know, I, I find that I have to work on that. I need to say, Lord, uh, give me peace in this situation. There's a lot to pray about, a lot to think about, a lot going on in my life just like it is in yours. Now, let me say two things about joy and then two things about peace, and then we're going to look at some practical ways to apply all of this in our life that I think will be very helpful right from the Word of God. The two things about joy is this. Many of you know this, world joy and Bible joy are different. They're different. Uh, The dictionary will say this about joy, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. That's what world joy is all about. But you know, the first thing that jumps out to me is that's pretty external. That's pretty much based on your circumstance. If things are going well for you, then you might have joy and you might have peace, but how about when things are not going well? I mean, I know that life isn't full of joy and peace 125% of the time. There are low times. There are difficult times. There's times of adversity. But the Bible says that even in those hard times, we can have the joy of the Lord. Even in those difficult times, we can have a peace that passeth all understanding through Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I hear a big amen to that? And that's the difference between Bible joy and, and world joy. Bible joy is, is uh, explained to us with, with these kind of words. Kara, which means joy, inner gladness, calm delight. Cairo means rejoice. Charis means grace. Those words taken together... Uh, means an an inner gladness, an internal gladness because of God's grace. I like to think of the word enjoy and spell it with an I, enjoy, when I'm thinking about the joy of the Lord. It's inner, it's inward, it's not external, it's not based on external circumstances, which is basically my final point here. True godly joy is not because of my circumstances, 
but in spite of my circumstances. The joy of the Lord is not contingent on my circumstances. I can have joy in the Lord when times are good or when times are bad because he is always with me. He's always with you. He is always for you. He's always beside you. He's always rooting for you. He's always all about you. Even if life is hard, Jesus is still king. Amen? And in that truth, we can find great joy. Now, that's two things about joy. To be fair, we need to give peace two thoughts too. Are you ready for that? The peace with God and peace of God. They're different. Peace with God is, is what we experience when we have faith in God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verses like Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. I am at enmity with God. I am separated from God. Uh, I am at war with God, if you will, when I am lost in my sinfulness. I am separated. I am alienated. But when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I make peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm one with God. I'm united. There's no longer an enmity. There's no longer an alienation. I am one through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If you're here today and you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to make the most important decision you could ever make in your entire life, and that is say, God, I want to make peace with you. I want peace with God. And you can do that by simply praying, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. And the Bible says when we invite him in, he will come into our life and begin to work in our life. We're instantly saved. Our sins are forgiven. And then he will work in our life to make us more like Christ and to develop the fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about this summer. Then there's the peace of God. When we're going through the storms and the adversity and the challenges of life, which we all have experienced, and some of you are going through right now, we have the assurance from Scripture that God is with us and for us, and he will give us peace in that central part of our life where we feel angst and anxiety and worry and fret and we're at the end of our rope God says be of good cheer be of courage I am with you and verses like these you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are steadfast because they trust in you you will keep in perfect peace through the storms through the difficulty God will give us his peace or how about John 16, I have told you these things so that, that in me you may have peace, but in this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You're going to have trouble in this world. But take heart, I'm with you. I've overcome the world. I will help you. You can endure. You can persevere. Peace with God. Peace of God. Important distinctions. If you're going through a really, really difficult time right now, know that God is for you and he's available to help you and give you the strength you need. And so many of us could testify of God being there for us over and over again. Now, in the moments that we have left, I want us to look at just some practical applications from Philippians chapter four, verses uh, four through nine. And I want you to look at six keys. I've tried to give uh, a bunch of on-ramps for everybody. 
You know, if you're facing trials, let's overcome trials. If you've got some fears, let's face your fears. Uh, if you've got some disappointment and regret and, you know, pain that you're going through that way, let's apply it to that as well. I've got one more for you. Uh, you ever feel like you've burnt out a little bit in life? You feel like you're burning the candle at both ends? I heard a conversation here this week. It was on a podcast, and one guy was saying he had a conversation with one of his friends who was complaining about how he was burning the candle at both ends. He was at the end of his rope. I mean, there was no time to sleep, no time to breathe. I mean, he was just full of anxiety, and there was pressure and demands. And, and the guy said, the guy that was under pressure and, and uh, you know, at the end of his rope, and was basically facing burnout. He said, you know, what I could use right now is a really good knee surgery. Anybody ever said that? I didn't think so. Anybody ever heard that? I doubt it. I'd never heard that before. So I was was trying to, what what is the guy saying? And, And the guy who was narrating said, yeah, what he meant by that is, he said, you know, if I can go into the hospital uh, and, and have a knee surgery, I don't have to worry about anything. I just kind of lay there for, uh, you know, a, a few days, and I, all my pressures and all my problems would go away. I don't quite think that's the solution. Anybody with me there? I, there's got to be a better way than knee surgery to make it through the challenges of life. But one thing we all understand is we get that feeling. You know, I'm at the end of my robe. I, I, I'm at the end of my reserves, You know, whether it's fear or doubt or disappointment or regret or uh, just being stressed, stressed out. And I don't know that there's a better person other than Jesus than Paul in the Bible to talk to us about this. This is a guy who had been shipwrecked, stoned and left for dead, you know, beaten and whipped, chased. You know, people hated him, were trying to kill him. I mean, he had everything going against him, and yet in his book to the Philippians, he talks about joy 16 times. He talks about peace a lot, and we, we see here someone who really put into practice what we're talking about here today. The first thing he says is choose joy. You have to choose it. You want to overcome, you want to face your fears, you want to uh, rebound from burnout, you know, whatever you want to apply this to. You need to choose joy, and if you don't, you're really choosing not to have joy. He says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I just finished a book entitled The Choice by Edith Eva Egger, Holocaust survivor who at the age of, you know, she was a teenager, I don't know, 16, 17, um, found herself, her sister, and her entire family taken to Auschwitz. And she tells a story of there was a line. She's there with her. Her dad was taken somewhere else, and it was her mom and her sister and her. And then they got to a point where they split up. She and her sister went this way, and then all the moms and grandmas went this way. Little did they know then that mom was heading toward the showers, the gas chamber, if you will. Never saw her again. And the entire book is a book about incredibly difficult experiences. The worst you can imagine. Torture some at every turn. And she tells her story of how she made it through and then now that she looks back on it and still dealing with all the memories of it, how she's had to make a choice. And even though she was not talking about Scripture, she's talking about making a choice to think a certain way We need to make a choice to think biblically, to trust in the Lord. 
Paul said in chapter 3, verse 1, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And then in a few verses later, he gives that classic, classic passage where he says, not that I have already obtained all this, verse 12, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You talk about inward resolve. Regardless of all that was going on about him, he had an inward resolve to keep his eyes on the Lord and keep moving forward. He chose joy. He chose joy at at every turn. And when you think about all he went through and how he's able to maintain that joy, it's absolutely remarkable. We'd be remiss if we didn't look again at verse number four for this second point. Rejoice in the person and power of Christ. See, that's the source of our joy. It's not just, hey, let me have a positive mental attitude and choose to be joyful. No, we choose to be joyful in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior and King. It says here, rejoice in the Lord always. True joy, Bible joy, is found in Jesus. Paul learned, I can be joyful in spite of my circumstances, not just because of them. James knew a little bit about this. In James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, he says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How can we have joy and peace in the midst of horrific, painful circumstances? One word, one name. One person, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When I go through the hardest of times, and some of you are facing that right now, I want you to remember what I remind myself of, and that is Jesus Christ is with me every step of the way. He loves me. He's working in my life. He's working on my life. He's beside me. He lives in me. Uh, He's behind me. He's in front of me. I can rejoice in the Lord, the conqueror, of sin and death. One day I'm going to go to live with him forever. He is my master, my savior. My joy is in him, and he is with me forever. He is the conquering king no matter what I'm going through right now, and that will never change. Thirdly, time is short. Look at verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, when we read that phrase, the Lord is near, we usually think, Okay, he's, he's beside me. He's walking with me. He lives in me. The Lord is near. He's near to the brokenhearted. He, he's near. And, and that's true. He is. He's right with us. But there's another meaning in the Bible, and that is he's coming soon. The Lord is near. In other words, he's coming back really, really soon. And even though we find ourselves in whatever predicaments and problems we find ourselves in, and we kind of subconsciously think, man, this is going to be a long haul. This is going to be here forever and ever. The reality is life isn't that long, and Jesus is coming back eventually. Well, you say, Rob, you know, Paul and Peter, they talked about Jesus coming soon 2,000 years ago. Well, let me give you something profound. You got a pen? Write this down. You don't want to, you don't want to miss this. The second coming of Christ is sooner now than it was then. How many are with me on that? <laughs> Write that down. 
I think it talks about more of a perspective of how I want to live. I want to live in the shadow of his second coming. He could come back at any moment. He could come back right now. Would you have been ready if he would have come right then? He could come at any moment. His coming is near. The Lord is near. He's near to me. He lives in me. His presence is about me. But he's coming back soon. And so Paul is basically saying, whatever you're going through is temporary. It's not forever. Persevere, endure. You can do it. Persevere, endure. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Favorite verse of mine right here. Therefore, we do not lose heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Get close to Jesus. Stay close with Jesus. Trust him. Put your confidence in him. He is near. Time is short. Paul understood this better than most. And it allowed him to hold on to his peace and joy in the midst of unbelievable challenges. He also says, trade worry for peace through prayer. Look at Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. If you knew you could bundle up all your worries, frets, and, and, and challenges in a, in a big box... And you could take it and give it to Jesus, and he would give you a big box with peace and joy. Would you make that trade? Of course we would. And we can through prayer. And even though we might intellectually and academically know this, read it and understand it, it's another thing to practice it. And friends, if I've learned anything through many years of following Christ, We need to be intentional about it. We need to be deliberate about it. Say, Lord, today I'm going to choose not to worry. I'm not going to be bound by this fear. I'm going to pray. I'm going to request. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to intervene in prayer. But then I'm going to trust you to do what only you can do because I can only do what I can do, and that is to pray at this particular point in time. And so we trade our worries for peace through prayer, and that is a staple of our faith because we believe in a great God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we'd ever ask or think. Prayer unleashes the power of God in the direction of our prayers. I need to pray. That's the bottom line. But when we do, God hears. Guard your mind. Notice the last part of that verse we just read earlier, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Another way to guard our mind is to think on the right kind of things. Do you find yourself thinking about negative things? Do you give in to the lies of Satan, the lies you tell yourself, the lies other people tell you? If we're not careful, we can talk ourselves into a downward spiral because mentally we're locked in and locked on the wrong kind of stuff. You listen to enough negativity, you hang around enough negative people, you read enough negative things, you are going to be a negative, negative person. The Bible says, whatever's true, think about that. Whatever's noble, think about that. Whatever's right, think about that. Whatever's pure, think about that. Lovely, admirable. These are the things to fill your mind with, not the counterpart opposite stuff. 
And so I want to ask you, what's the condition of your thought life? We often speak about that when we think about sinful thoughts, but I want you to think about negative, discouraging, disappointing, fear-producing kind of thought. What dominates your thinking? We become what we think. And Paul gives us incredible, incredible instruction. These are the kind of things to think about, not the opposite counterparts. And finally, know that God is with you. He walks beside you, he is for you, and he lives in you. What does verse 4-9 say? And the God of peace will be with you. God is with you right now. Some of you I know are going through the biggest challenge in your life right now. God is with you. He is for you. He cares about you. He's working on your behalf. There's so much about life we don't really understand or get, but God does. Know that God is with you. God walks beside you. He lives in you. I'm going to close our service in a special way. I want us all to stand. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. Some of you are going through a real challenge right now. I want to encourage you to take a step of faith. I want you to come to this altar, and I want you just to have someone pray with you. If you want to share what the need is, do it. If you don't, just say, I need special prayer. It may be a physical situation. It may be a financial situation. Maybe you are deeply concerned for your children or for your parents or for your friends or for your job. What is it that you're going, maybe you're facing burnout. Maybe you're bound by fear. Maybe there's real disappointment you cannot shake. I want to encourage you to think about these six areas we talked about. And I want to encourage you to think about what's the one or the two that that you need to really focus on most this week. As we close the service in prayer, I want you just to step out from where you are and just come forward and ask someone to pray with you about a certain thing. I'm going to pray. We'll be dismissed. But I just invite you to take a step of faith and say, Lord, I trust you. I need you. I need the power. I need the help of God in my life right now. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's here today. God, I pray that we all would commit or recommit our lives to you, Lord Jesus. We would focus on you. We would rejoice in the Lord and let the Lord be our strength. I pray, God, for everybody that's here today that may be going through a really tense moment right now. Maybe it's an incredible challenge, life adversity. Maybe it's fear. Maybe, uh, maybe there's disappointment. Maybe there's, there's burnout. Any number of things. God, I just pray that you will bring strength to every single person. May we be faithful to choose joy and to find it in and through Jesus Christ in spite of our circumstances. I pray for your healing and help and strength for everybody that's here today, especially those going through really tough times. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. Be thinking about one or two of those six here this week. And if we can pray with you, I invite you to step out. Let's just pray together and believe God for answers to prayer. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great, great week.